If you're turning your Bibles to Matthew 27, we'll be looking in chapter 28 a little bit and a whole lot of other places. Uh, if you can keep up, great. If not, I would encourage you to jot down uh, the references, revisit them uh, often, uh, be encouraged by the Word. So I want to take a look real quick if you draw your attention up to the screens here. This is from uh, Psalm 32. It says, what joy, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Think on that for a little while. Is there a lot of truth in this verse? Yeah, we'll keep coming back to this this morning. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 27. We'll take a read, picking up in verse 50 together. We'll read through 54, and then we'll jump into chapter 28. Matthew 27, 50 says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. And then behold, the veil, okay, this veil in the temple, it was five curtains. It was huge, okay? This veil in the temple, it was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. I have a hard time splitting wood. Think about rocks being split, guys, okay? And the graves, verse 52 tells us, they were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his, Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to just a couple people who happened to see them. Oh, that's not your translation. To many people. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, these Roman soldiers, saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Do you guys see what took place when Jesus hung upon that tree 2,000 years ago? It tells us in verse 50, again with a loud voice. Whose voice was this? The Creator's voice. The one who spoke the worlds into existence. This is the voice that cried out that day. And he yielded up his spirit. The testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. It wasn't by chance that he was crucified upon that tree that day. Before the foundations of the world, he was already crucified. The Bible over and over and over again prophesied about God himself becoming a man and hanging upon a tree, dying for our sins. That wasn't a chance. He fulfilled his promises. And then this veil in the temple, this huge veil, it was torn from the bottom to the top. No, from the top. Who's up there? God, God, open house. Come on in this, this veil that kept man away from God, from the presence of the Lord. One guy maybe once a year could go in without dying. Most of the time they died when they went in. They had to tie a rope to the high priest's leg on the Day of Atonement. They would make sacrifices. And if they were good and done right, he could go in and make more sacrifices there in the Holy of Holies where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. But if it wasn't done right, they would drop dead in the presence of God. 
But why was that curtain that day 2,000 years ago when Jesus was hanging upon the cross? Why did this earthquake take place, go up through the temple, and this veil was torn in half? Because God was saying there's nothing that's going to separate us any longer. Anyone can come now as they are because of what I have done upon this cross this day. And it tells us the graves were open in verse 52. Think about that. Man, these saints, it says these saints of old, were these just the saints that happened to maybe come to know Jesus just in the few years that he had been preaching publicly who had passed in that short time? No, these saints who had fallen asleep doesn't say they were dead. You know, if you're in Christ, you're never going to die. You're never going to die. And because he rose, many, these saints, many rose, many saw them. And then the last part of his, verse 54 gets me. These men that crucified him. Taking all of this in, the world goes dark. The earth begins to shake. Jesus, seven statements from the cross that day. They sit there and they say what? Truly this is the Son of God. Oops. Oops. What did we just do? What did we just do to the Savior of the world? Exactly what was needed so you and I could be forgiven of our sins. Turn to chapter 28. One page over. Now after the Sabbath, verse 1, the first day of the week began to dawn. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. Now, try to picture this, guys. This angel, he came. He rolls back the stone from the door, and he sat on it. That's a pretty cool angel. Yo, what's up? You know, just chilling out on the stone. Look inside, right? Look at verse 3. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him. And they became like dead men. So the Roman soldiers that were there to make sure no one came and messed with the body of Jesus there, because Jesus had been speaking how he would rise from the dead, right? They were expecting it to happen. Not really, but just in case. We'll put some Romans there. And this cool gnarly angel shows up, all dressed up in white, just chilling out on the rock. And they're all like freaking out. I love this scene, guys. And then verse 5 tells us that the angel answered and said to the women, not to these Roman soldiers, okay, to these women, and said to them, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek... She put a little question mark right there. Do you actually seek God? Where were the boys? You guys ever wonder that? Where are the apostles? Why are these women here seeking? They've come to seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, the angel says in verse 6, for he is risen, he said. That's pretty cool. Would you believe this angel? Yeah, I would. Not just because the angel came and said it happened, but because God himself said he would die upon a cross and three days later rise from the dead. That's why. And the angel was just there to show, hey, people are seeking, you gals. I don't know where the guys are, but you gals, you're seeking. And my God said, if anyone seeks after me, they're going to find me. Well, guess what? 
He's not here because he's alive. Awesome, huh? So something radical happened 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. But what does it all mean? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. We can be happy. That's what it means, guys. Through Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sins. That is the most needed thing any human being needs, is the forgiveness of sins. And most people don't even care about their sin. We're calling good evil and evil good today. Sad. What happened to that reverence to our maker, to our creator, to our God? People don't care about the consequences of sin anymore. Shame on us. We are so sinful. Guys, think about your grandparents' generation. They may have even been atheists, but they still had a reverence for God. <laughs> Anyways, we're not going to talk about that. The reality is we're all sinners. Do we know that? Amen? We all need a Savior. Amen? Whether you ignore it or not, then you're just a... We won't say what you are. Is ignoramus a word? Oh, sorry. Honestly, that's all it is. We ignore the truth. And we're willing to tell ourselves any lie to believe it. Nothing blew up. We'll even go that far and even tell other people that. Nothing blew up. Foolishness. So, the reality of what Jesus did brings us happiness. His resurrection means that we can have forgiveness of our sins by grace through faith. Period. It's not and something, 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 something. Just keep this rule, rules, this list here. Then we're good. I want to look at Psalm 32 once again. Look closely. It says, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared from all guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. You can't be ignorant and honest. Ignorance, I believe, is a choice. And ignorance is not bliss. Okay, there's a lot of people, well, I don't know. There is a God and he's loving. I guess everything will work out okay one day. No, you can't just ignore. Well, there's so many religions in the world. How do we know that Christianity is true? You can't ignore it. It doesn't take much time. Honestly, if you put any honest thought into seeking God in the different claims of major religions in the world, you're going to find out very, very quickly that the Bible is set apart from every other holy book. Real quick, there's only one God who can foretell the future, and that is God. Not one fulfilled prophecy in any religious book in the world except for the Bible. It's not a couple of vague things. I mean, the cross, him dying upon it, was prophesied to the day, thousands of years before crucifixion was even invented. It was spoken to. Yeah, that's because there is a God who knows what's going to happen in the future. And yes, prophecy, that's a supernatural thing. And yes, the Bible is the only book that has supernatural things in it. Pretty cool, huh? So, you want me to preach it? Okay, brother, let's talk about the resurrection of Christ. What can it make us, guys? Well, Christ is risen in glory. Amen? Right? It can make us happy because our sins are forgiven. Okay? Also, it can make us holy because the power of sin is broken. A lot of people, ah, oh, sin's not that big of a deal. No, <laughs> it is a big deal. There is strength there. You sin once against God, you've broken all the law, the Bible says. And guess what the consequence of sin is? 
Eternal separation from God. It is death. God wasn't joking around. The first human beings upon the planet. Hey, guys, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've given you paradise. This is wonderful, beautiful. It's all yours. Do whatever you want. But I'm not going to force you to have a relationship with me. I'm not going to force you to be in paradise with me. I'm going to give you a choice. You can have it all. Eat whatever you want. All these trees. Except for this one. Don't partake of it. Because in the day you do, you will surely die. This is the one thing I'm asking of you. One fruit or steak. We don't know what was hanging on that tree. Whatever it was, the forbidden whatever. They only had to partake of one, one, right? And their eyes were open. They had sinned. But because Christ is risen, that power of sin is broken. Isn't that cool? And also we are full of hope because the effects of sin will soon be undone. Aren't you guys excited for that? Yeah. Like, I can't wait to be glorified. I have little aches and pains. It's not fun being in this body all the time. How many guys say amen, right? You know, but the thing I look forward to the most is finally being gone with the sin nature. You know, temptations can come my way. Whoop, who even cares? No more struggles. I can just live and just be. I look so forward to that. So back to Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. You guys see, sin is the issue. But when the sin issue has been taken care of by our Savior, by Jesus Christ, what joy we can have. And the world is looking for joy. They're looking for everything under the sun to bring some type of enjoyment. But the only true enjoyment that we will find in this life is in our Creator. Jesus told us in John chapter 5, verse 24, truly, truly, if he says something twice, like truly, truly, do you think he's actually telling us the truth? Yeah. Probably, right? Anyways, Jesus is the truth, and he tells us, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Not maybe will have eternal life, but they have it. And they do not come into judgment, but they have passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I'm telling you this. This is eternal life. You believe in me, you are not going to die. You have eternal life. When does that begin? When we die and then go to heaven? No, eternal life begins the second you believe in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, Jesus, whom was raised from the dead, the resurrection, he is one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Wow. He has saved us. Hell sucks, guys. Let me tell you what. How do you know that, pastor? It's all over the scriptures. Read the Bible. Okay? Outer darkness, gnashing of teeth, burning come on who wants to go through that i don't some people yeah i do i don't want nothing to do with god i'd rather go to hell <laughs> sorry colossians chapter 2 pray like our hearts should break for people that have that mentality you know i don't want to go with all your buzz kills up into heaven i'd rather party with my party dudes down in hell lost blind check out colossians chapter 2 
Verse 11, it says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead of your sins, and because your sin nature was not yet cut away, but then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross, and in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly uh, by his victory over them on the cross. So let no one condemn you, brother and sister. That's what Colossians is telling you and I. Don't let anyone condemn you. Satan will, right? He's an accuser. And he will roar. But let me tell you what, guys. If you've been forgiven, what a joy we have when we have been forgiven of our sin. Because let me tell you what, true happiness, there are many challenges to our happiness in this life but they are not ultimate. There are many offers of happiness, but they are not ultimate. Finding truer, ultimate happiness in Jesus frees us to enjoy things more. Again, Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight, Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. But there's more good news in the light of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Our today doesn't need to look the same as our past. Let me say that again. Our today doesn't need to look the same as our past. We can be holy because Jesus has broken the power of sin. So in one sense, in a very real sense, we actually are holy. And this is how God deals with us. Again, I want to look at Colossians chapter 1 this time, verse 13. It says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he's transformed transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins and through him God reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross this includes you who were once far from God you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy. You are blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. Think about this. This is the word of God. This is truth. This is how we stand before our creator because of Jesus. 
And he tells us then, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you've received when you heard the good news. Don't drift, guys. God's called us to be in fellowship for a reason. I'm stirred up this morning, and not just because I'm preaching. Okay? You guys are here testifying, saying, yes, brother. I believe, too, that he is risen. And because he is risen, we are forgiven. What a joy we share. This is awesome. Even though it sucks and we can be there for one another and pray for one another through the sucky stuff, we still have a joy because we're going to go to heaven for all time, for eternity. That's pretty awesome. And that happens when I bump into you at the gas station, too. Hey, there's another believer. They're not drifting. They're still loving Jesus. Yes. So we have a brand new identity. Do you guys get what he's getting at here? If you are in Christ, you don't believe you're not getting this. Okay? I'm hoping a little bit, whoa, I need a savior because I have a sin problem, an issue here. I need to be forgiven. And let me tell you, the second you turn to Christ, you repent of your sin and you put your faith in him and you say, yeah, my allegiance, <laughs> it's to you. You are God. You are savior. I'm all in. I'm following you. Your identity changes. You are now holy. You have this new identity. You have a brand new way to live if you're in Christ. So we cannot go on living as though Christ is not alive and as if we do not have new lives. That gives the devil too much credit. Okay, He doesn't deserve any. So knock it off. Check out Romans chapter 6. Verse 4, it says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Wow. We may. I know people who come to Christ and they don't live in the newness of life. They go back to their old stuff. You know, but God is in them. They begin to change, sanctify, transform. And then they come to me and say, Pastor, I wish I would have done this so long ago. I knew better. Guys, we just need to yield, surrender. If we are born again of the Spirit of God, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you can jot it down. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Do the math, Romans will go on to tell us. If you are dead in Christ, you're now alive Okay, in the spirit. Okay, be dead to that sin. Live the newness of life. Check out this next part in Romans chapter 6. Verse 9, since you have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are set free. Sinners have to sin. Do you guys understand that? I'm an alcoholic. Yes, you are. You have to be. You have to sin. You have to fornicate. You have to cheat. You have to lie. You have not been forgiven of your sin, and sin has a hold on you. It has power over you. You're not free to walk uprightly. 
You're not free to live without sin because you will not believe in Jesus Christ. You have to sin. Oh, I can stop if I want. Challenge them. Great. I'm going to hang out with you for an hour. Tell me everything you're thinking in your head. It's not just what we do outward. Jesus says, man, if you lust in your heart, if you hate in your heart, you've sinned. That's murder. That's adultery. Wow. But what is Romans telling us, guys? We're no longer slaves to sin. We're free. We don't need to go back to that stuff. God has set us free. I'm no longer an alcoholic. Okay? That's not my identity. I'm holy. I'm set free. That's not who I am. That's who I was before Jesus. But I'm free. Okay? Well, Pastor, I'm glad you brought up drinking this morning. How much do you drink? Do you guys know I drink as much as I want to drink? Do you guys know that? I get drunk as often as I want to get drunk. That's all you need to know. I don't drink. I don't have to. Do you guys understand that? I don't have to lust. I don't have to lie. Do you guys understand that? Even people that tick me off. I'll be honest, I get angry. I still struggle with sin, but I don't have to stay angry. I can repent and I can do what my God's asked me to do. Love your enemies. Really? I can do that if I'm in Christ? I can actually love those who hate me? Yeah! And I can actually truly love them. And that's something I don't think is possible without the love of Jesus Christ personally experienced. We need to live in the newness of life. He goes on to say, For if we died with Christ, we're set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, and we will also live with him. And then he says, We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. That's the reason. Do you guys understand why the resurrection is our hope as believers? It's because he rose from the dead we can actually hold to this truth. That we can know that we are set free. That our identity is in Christ. And we are holy. And that's how God sees us. Even when we feel dirty, we are holy. Isn't that cool? Sets us free. So... And again, we will never die. Death no longer has power over him, but he died. He died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let, do the math, guys. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. We're free to do that now, guys. We're not little bitty robots. God made me do this and the devil made me do that. No! We have a choice. And when you're in Christ, you are set free. So don't sin anymore. You don't have to. Why? Why? Because you found freedom in Christ. 
Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right in the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. As your pastor, that's what I want to encourage you as my brothers and sisters to do. Live for Jesus. Be about his, about his business. This life is short, guys. We have been set free. It doesn't matter how old you are in Christ Jesus. Man, if you come to faith in Jesus today, receive this truth and start walking with him. Be about his business. The hour is late. He's coming soon. There's a lot of people that need to know, need to hear, guys. And we get to glorify God. So, some of you guys might say, well, I struggle. I hear what you're saying. I hear the scriptures. I'd have to agree with you, Pastor, because you're kind of just sharing a lot of the word today. <laughs> yeah. This is where the power is, guys. Sanctify them in truth. My word is truth. Guys, if you receive the word of God in truth, yeah. I've been exhorted to walk in the newness of life. Set free from sin. I should do this, but I struggle. I feel like a hypocrite. I'm forgiven, but I keep sinning. Man, I feel like the Apostle Paul. He struggled with the same thing. We're all going to struggle in the flesh. But that's why it's good to be in fellowship. That's why it's good to get into the Word of God. Because yes, you're right, God. You're right. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I started going there again and doing that again or thinking in that way. It's not right. It doesn't honor you. It doesn't glorify you. And you set me free from that. And I know it's not good for me. Sin may be fun for a season, guys. But there's destruction that comes. Be logic. Follow any sin to the extreme. Okay? I still haven't met the, met the alcoholic who told me, hey, you know what? First time I had a beer, I thought to myself, I want to be a lifelong alcoholic. That's my goal. No one starts off with sin. It might be fun, but they don't want to <laughs> conclude where it's going to lead them. And that's what it's going to end up costing them. But a little leaven leavens the whole lump, guys. And that's where we want to encourage one another. Hey, go for it. Be all in. Let's do it together. Let's live for the glory of God. Let's honor him. But I feel like a hypocrite. But we do not need to pretend. That's the cool part. Even when we do sin, we don't have to pretend. We talked last week about the importance of confession. It is good. What joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived completely honest. Okay? Honesty is huge. And it is okay to say to your brother and sister, you know what? I've been struggling. I've been finding myself in sin again. Can you pray with me? Pray. And we can be happy because why? When we confess, we're forgiven. 1 John 1.9 We do not need to pretend. Rather, we need to pursue holiness. Don't pretend. Be honest. Turn back to the Lord and pursue holiness. Pursue it for the glory of God. Is he worthy, guys? Absolutely. That's why we do it. Okay? I don't try to not sin because I need to work my way to be good enough to hopefully get in one day. That's a perversion of the gospel. That's not what we're reading here in the scriptures. That's not what the resurrection is all about. 
But when you do come to faith in Christ, you are born again in the Spirit. Your spirit now cries out, as Galatians tells us, Abba, Daddy, you're my dad. I now have relationship with the living God because my sins have been forgiven, taken away as far as the east is from the west. God sees me as holy now, just as he would see his own son Jesus. And because I'm in Christ, I have this awesome relationship with the Father. And now because I have this awesome relationship with the Father, guess what? I don't want to do anything that would dishonor you. You're my dad, and you're an awesome dad. And I want to put you on a display, because if I'm acting like a dink, that's going to reflect badly on you. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to mar your glory whatsoever. And I think that just happens when we have that right thinking. It's not about the sin. It's not about doing this or that. It's just about, hey, I want to please you, dad. And you're a good dad, and you got good things for me, and you've warned me about this bad stuff that can really jack up my life. And I'm trusting you. So I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And yeah, it would be a blessing and a joy to be a part of the family business. I can't think of a higher calling. Thank you, Dad, that you want me to be a part of the family business. That's so cool. Yeah, and what have you done, God? What, did, what does that look like? Oh, you came to serve and not be served? Oh, you came to lay down your life for others? To love them? Wow. I guess I'll do that. Because I love you. It's that simple. So, we can, we can actually do this, guys. There's a better way to live when we pursue holiness. And Jesus, it's because Jesus has broken the power of sin. So our identity, okay, is now in him. We are now slaves to Christ. We're no longer slaves to that bad king. You guys know that unbelievers are children of Satan? That's what the Bible says. Well, how can you say that? Well, they believe every lie. Look about how much junk is out there today. They're just tossed to in here. Oh, this guy sounds smart. He wrote a book. Let me read what he said. Oh, I guess that does away with God's book because I think this guy's smarter than God. <laughs> we'll read another smart guy because he'll say something different than another smart guy. It's the only one that's really smart and knows it all. And he's my dad. So, not only can our today be different from our past, catch this, not only today, but also our future will be different than our today. What is set before you, brother and sister? What do we have before us? God has good in view, guys. We have eternal life. But you don't know how hard it is. Maybe I don't. But I do know this, brother or sister, this life is a vapor. Okay? Don't be so fixated on the here and the now, this little blip inside of eternity. Because we have so much set before us. That should bring us joy. That should bring us hope. That should bring us happiness. See, we can be hopeful because Jesus will undo the effects of sin. We will not always struggle with sin. I look forward to that. The world will not always struggle with sin and the evil and the effects of it. There is a coming judgment, but there also is a coming renewal. Okay? And there's also a new day that will dawn. Okay? You guys can read the rest of chapter of Matthew 28 later. You'll see Jesus speak to that. But there is hope that we have. And if hope is properly defined, we, we know it as a sure expectation. That is what biblical hope is. 
It's not wishful thinking. It is a sure expectation, and that expectation is there because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Romans 8, verse 18, the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy. Catch what the Bible says about this. It's not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Not even close. So, we truly have a new life. We have a new life, brother and sister. Happiness because we're forgiven. Holy because the power of sin is broken. Our identity. So full of hope because Christ is coming again. So sin and death and destruction have been and will truly be shown to be defeated at Christ's return. Does anybody know when that's going to happen? Nobody knows the time. Okay? Nobody knows the day. But we do know the seasons. Let me tell you what, guys. If you're a student of the scriptures, there are so many things happening that Jesus said would happen in the latter days, the last days. Pretty exciting time to be alive. And I think he's coming soon. I'm excited about that. He will return. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7 says, God will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. And in that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God from whom we have waited that he might save us. And this is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive his salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Why can we be glad, guys? Because there's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for what? A little while. Guys, underline that part in Peter, right? There is wonderful joy ahead. We can truly be glad. Even though it might stink right now, we have a lot ahead of us to look forward to. I can't wait. It's going to be so cool. I'm more excited about this than even having a child. Like, I was so stoked when I found out we were having a kid. You know, what a joy. All the conversation, all the excitement. Can't wait. What's going to happen when our, we didn't know it was going to be a son and we would name him Uriah. But hey, we were picking out boy and girl names. We were dreaming about this and we can do that and what will happen and all the stuff we're going to be able to do. That was fun and cool, but that doesn't even come close to the reality of what we have as believers, guys. The greatest joy that people get in this life. Hey, we're going to have a family. This is awesome. I'm having a baby. Congratulations. Yay, it is awesome, but it's not as close as awesome as this. Do you guys get that? Okay, so why do we trip? We shouldn't be tripping. 
Jesus is risen from the dead. All right, we'll wrap it up. Isaiah 55. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains will burst into songs and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once were thorns, cypress trees will grow and the nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up and events will bring great honor to the Lord's name and they will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. Wow. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 16, and then 1 Corinthians 15. It says, For the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. Okay? Isn't that cool? We just read about him shouting on the cross, crying out with a loud voice. You know? And I try, I try, like, what, the, what was that like when Jesus breathed his last as he hung on the tree? What was that like? What type of cry was that? He'd taken the sins all sins of all time upon himself. And he gave up his spirit. What kind of cry? A loud voice, we're told. What was that? I don't know. But I'm going to hear this one. Do you guys get excited about this shout? He's going to come back. Okay, with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are alive, uh, remain here, will also be transformed. For our bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our body or our dying bodies have been transformed into the bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, it says. See that? Underline that. But thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, be immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So the power of Satan has been broken. Christ is the one who has been raised in victory. And the scriptures tell us, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all, or who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. And then Jesus in Revelation Chapter 1 says, don't be afraid. I am the great I am statement. I'm God. I am the first, the last. I'm the living one. I died, he said. What? God died? Yeah. He said he died. Well, how can you say he died if he's dead? He's risen, guys. He said, I, and look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of the grave. So what does this mean for the believer? Are we truly living out all that has been given to us in result of the resurrection? That's the question we have to ask ourselves on an Easter morning. 
are we living it or not? Are we living in the, uh, in the truth of it? Are we being faithful to the implications of it? Colossians 3, set your mind on things above. Do we have that eternal mindset? Are we living for those eternal things? Because let me tell you what, if you are in Christ, you are living in eternal life. That has begun. And that's what we should be living for. Not the here and the now. But I want a nicer house. I want the toys. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And let me tell you what, when we, he comes and he, he shouts and the trumpet sounds and we're called up to be with him, we're going to be like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Sorry, we won't preach on that. That's a whole nother sermon. But let me conclude with this thought. What does this then mean? Okay, we know what it means for the believer. And I hope that we're all believers here this morning. But there's probably a few of you guys who are here because, hey, someone you love has faith. And I just want to support them in what they believe. Okay, I'd like to call you the not yet Christian. Okay, and I do believe Jesus can save all. There are none that are too far off that have done too much bad sin that they can't be forgiven. Our God can forgive anything. Okay, that's how, he be, how big he is. In his heart, his desire is that none should perish. Sorry, Calvinists. They need to read the Bible. His heart, guys, is none should perish. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what God said. That is his heart. He came to save, guys. That's his business. So if you're not yet a Christian, what does this mean for you? I'd like to ask, what do you want for your present life? Be honest. What do you want for your present life? What will you do with your past sins? They're there. You did them. There are consequences to them. What are you going to do about your past sins? Also, what are your expectations for the future? What are you living for? What are you hoping for? What does your future hold? And you will have to deal with the resurrection, whether you like it or not. It's good to deal with it now. It's good to humble yourself now. And bow your knee before your maker. And if you don't do that now in this life, you will see him one day, the risen Lord. And he will say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. But I thought you were a God of love. I thought you came to save. I did. And in my grace, I revealed myself to you. You heard the gospel and you rejected me. I'm not going to force you to be with me in eternity, in paradise and heaven forever. You said no, and I'm going to respect that. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Father, may we mix what we've heard today, your word, the hope that there is because you live, because of the resurrection. May we mix that with faith, that we may never drift away, that we would stand firm. And to that day, Father, we finally get to see you face to face. Thank you, God.
that you are alive in glory. Thank you so much for the happiness, Father, the joy, the hope that it brings to our lives. God, let us walk boldly in that, truthfully in that, Lord. Let us just be who we are in you, set free to be, to do whatever you want us to do, Father. You're the leader and we want to play. We'll follow you. We'll encourage one another to do so. We will pray for one another to do so. And when one of us falls down, we'll pick each other up. And we'll keep pointing one another to you, Jesus. Because you are it. You are the answer. You are perfect. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.